welcome to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back. Quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us. All right, welcome back to the show. If you are listening to this podcast the week of publication, coaches around the country right now are traveling to their national championships. So first of all, be safe, have fun. What a great, exciting week this is. It's nerve-wracking, but also the most fun in the world, right? A bunch of All-American certificates are going to be given out, points, etc. Going to go to some amazing facilities. That's awesome. Everybody but today's guest, he is not going to be traveling to nationals, and we're going to find out why here in a little while. But So let's get to the show. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful, the head coach of the Pitt State Gorillas, the, one of the best mascots in the whole wide world, by the way, <laughs> Mr. Kyle Rutledge. Kyle, how are you, sir? Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. Look forward to it. I always wonder, you know, recording a podcast is kind of weird. So you said good morning. Someone right now is listening at 11 at night, and they're like, good morning. What are these guys talking about? (laughs) Uh, But I'm excited, man. Kyle, you know, this is fun. I've known and known of you for quite a while, since you were an athlete, actually. Uh, Knew your dad, know your dad uh, fairly well. and. I was trying to figure out how to say about your dad because at first I wanted to say I coached against your dad, but I'm like, oh, no, no, I didn't coach against him. Uh, I coached with him. I coached Juco when he was at Missouri Southern, and uh, what a great guy and a legend in our sport. And so uh, this is going to be exciting, man. I'm I'm excited to delve into it, see uh, what's the life of a coach's kid look like and how you got to where you are today, man. So I'm I'm so happy you're, you're here with us today. I appreciate it. So, man, let's get started. Kyle, because it doesn't start in high school, I'm betting. Where does track and field start for you? (laughs) Where where does that first introduction happen? Well, um, it was pretty much when I first remember is Adams State. My dad uh, took the job there as a football coach and coached for Joe V. Hill at Adams State. Really? Um, Yeah, from 82 to 88. So, remember being in Alamosa? And, um, you know, again, the lineage of my dad was, it, it stretches pretty far because he actually hired Damon Martin. And so, you know, they know each other very well, of course, just that goes way back. So my life in track and field started Alamosa, and I don't know if you can ask for a better start in any program. Sure. And just yeah. knowing that. And so that's kind of where it started. Um out in the dunes of Alamosa in Southern Colorado. And that's where it began. Were you, so as a coach's son, uh, and, and it's fascinating that he was at Adam State. I, I'm really bad at like just pigeonholing people. So like your dad to me, it's like, oh, he's Missouri Southern. That's where he was born and grew up. And, you know, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's mm-hmm. fascinating that he kind of got his start at like what a historic program, Adam State, uh, with historic people, by the way, Joe V. Hill, uh, Damon. <laughs> Uh, and those guys, man, that's that's amazing. Were you so can as far back as you can remember? Were you always on the track with dad? Like, were you the the kid doing sand castles in the the sand pit? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't remember that stuff, but you you see pictures of it. Mm. Yeah, you know, I don't have a fond memory of it. I mean, it means it's just I see pictures of it, and it was a good time. And you know, my parents did a great job of trying to balance the 
being a coach's family and mm. and my mom trying to start an insurance agency mm. out there. So it was a it was a good balance. They did a good job. Did you now I, I bet I know your dad well enough that he didn't push you into track and field, but was it kind of a natural bend and did, uh, did you play any other sports like in high school i did i did football baseball basketball and did mm -hmm. track uh i didn't start track and field to be honest with you um well i guess i, I revert back we would do some cross-country runs i did some runs early on in my career in elementary school when we moved to joplin i remember kelsey classic uh that was a fun run that i did multiple years and then i kind of got into baseball pretty heavily and then I didn't return to track till well, sophomore year in high school. Oh, wow. What, what brought you back to track? Was it, um, again, I can't see dad saying, hey, <laughs> you need to quit baseball. Well, he, um, he, you know, as a, as a father and to a son, you want them to appreciate what you do, uh, just like anything. So he knew I kind of did my thing with running and it kind of ran its course. I was kind of like, I'm not enjoying cross country. It was not. I hear you. <laughs> Not I hear people you. do. <laughs> um, so anyway, so Bill Williams was his pole vault coach. And he really wanted to say, hey, let's, why don't you try pole vault? Why don't you give that a go? I was like, ah, I don't know. Anyway, so he fought me for a while. And then finally I said, sure, I'll go out one day and give it a go. And that's where it took off. And Bill Williams and Lindsey Bourne, uh, of course, we all know her, a great pole vaulter in high school was my teammate. And uh, that's where it all started. And so kind of midway through my sophomore year. So I did baseball and did track my sophomore year. Oh, wow. That, that's tough. Yep. So I did that my sophomore and junior year. And then I stopped playing baseball because my senior year in football, I shattered my collarbone. So couldn't, couldn't really throw baseball uh, very well. And then uh, so I just said, I'll stick to pole vault. So I, I love interviewing pole vaulters. First of all, because you're all crazy. I don't care. Even the sane ones are crazy. Uh, you know, having being good friends with Toby and Derek and Jeff Hartwig, <laughs> they're all just. You, you have to have me. a few screws loose to you do it. You do, you do. We have a, a new teammate here. He, I'm getting close to maybe not calling him new. He's getting close to a year this summer. Um, but he was a pole vaulter at Coastal Carolina. Uh, mm -hmm. And nowhere on the level, you know, he would say this as well as you and all these other guys. But he's still. There's still something. I'm like, River, man, you, you are pole vaulter, buddy. Um, what I love about pole vaulters, one of my favorite questions is, do you remember that first time you tried pole vaulting and what your feeling was? Was it a, a, a feeling of like fear, of like this is the craziest thing in the world? Or was it like ex pure exhilaration of like, like almost like flying, literally? Yeah. Well, uh, I've always been kind of a uh, risk taker. I have always kind of had that mentality and, and uh, didn't really worry too much about what might happen to me. I just, uh, I, I enjoy, <laughs> right. I enjoy challenge. Um, that's mainly what I enjoy. Mm. I enjoy challenge. I don't like to be told I can't do something. Mm. Interesting. So that's mainly my personality. So uh, yeah, I, I distinctly remember my first practice. Uh, Bill Williams did a phenomenal job of kind of easing me into it, not just throwing me into the fire, but we went over to the long jump pit. He brought some high jump standards out and we kind of just uh, vaulted into the sand mm -hmm. and he threw up a bungee. And I, I just remember that to this day. And it was fun. It was intriguing and it was challenging all at the same time. And I guess that's when I got hooked on it. And 
you know, you seem like you were an athlete, obviously playing baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. you know, triple, quadruple, uh, you know, sport active, uh, sport kid, athlete. Were you, I'm going to say a natural, it's a pretty unnatural event, so it's hard to be a natural, but like, did you take to it fairly quickly or was there some like awkwardness to it? Well, I think anytime you start pole vault, it's awkward, but uh, <laughs> I, I did feel like I picked it up quickly. But again, that's something that I think my dad, and my coach, uh, Bill Williams, can decide if I was a natural. I, <laughs> I think my natural ability is I just worked harder than anybody. I would mm. say I was, I've got a God's gift. We all know that I'm not the tallest person. <laughs> my dad would constantly bribe me about how slow I was. So. You know, um, did you tell us like, uh, hey, dad, that's your and mom's fault. I I mean, like I ain't practicing here, but uh, (laughs) genetics are genetics. Um, (laughs) But I pride myself on just working harder and just, you know, I I just wouldn't stop until I figured it out. Did was uh, was Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners better once you started doing track? Was dad like, all right, now you're my son. You know, we were track. I always I tell my kids and I didn't tell my my wife who's big into family and and that's what was good for me. I married a woman that loves family and big in family. I we didn't grow up that way. It was my dad and I would actually we'd eat Thanksgiving lunch and then we'd go pole vault that evening. We go practice. Is that uh, right? just because my dad had to get out of the house and me too? And <laughs> hey, I, I'm more on that line, man. I, I get it. No, I'm, I'm with you on this. You go up and. <laughs> And I'll tell you, that was I enjoyed that more than anything. Yeah. And so, yeah. That's what, that's what you know. They talk about when <laughs> when we start getting to our age, Kyle. We start, you know, the things that we remember the most are not the 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 bars we clear and those things like that. It's it's those memories of like, right. all right, you know, turkey's over. Hey, Dad, let's uh, we gotta get let's out of here. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that was our uh, that was our holidays. I love I it. I love it. it. So you know, pretty. I don't want to overstate and say horrific accident your senior year, but you, you didn't say you broke your collarbone. You said you shattered it. So that it was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. Enough that it sounded like it, helped, it took you back from basketball and baseball and things oh, yeah. like that. How did that factor into pole vaulting your senior year? I just, you know, the, the recovery wasn't fast enough so for me to throw a ball um, like I wanted to. So I didn't get cleared till I think it was mid-April. Uh, because I was in a big cushion thing. I mean, they had me strapped up and um, yeah. So the collarbone, I was tackled and it went through my, um, it shattered and it went through my, my trap. And so it was pretty bad. Um, So yeah, they uh, couldn't really do much. So that was the only thing that I had. That was the only option I had was pole vault for a couple of meets and try to qualify for state. Um, and I didn't actually. So it was, oh. it was a rough senior year, um, both of us. So we were at regionals and Lindsey Bourne, who was ranked number one in the state as well that year in 2001. Mm-hmm. And she was top five, I think, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, you got to think mm-hmm. clearing 12 foot in the female ball yeah, ball was, there was a, not very many. It's, it's such an infancy back then. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So she know how to, you know how Missouri works, you have to qualify in three rounds so she no hided at oh, wow. um i think it was regional or districts <laughs> so oh, she was out <laughs> so then we go to sectionals the next weekend up at jeff city and i no hided mm. <laughs> so, 
neither of us got to go to state day. Let's just say the car ride from Jeff City back home was uh, long, pretty long. <laughs> it's like, you know, if I should have stuck to baseball or something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's one of those like, gosh, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah. You know, senior year is a pretty tough year for a lot of reasons, right? You're leaving high school, maybe you're going to college, military, workforce, etc. Uh, you're, tr- you know, you're injured, which is a major. You know, you got to deal with that. You don't get to do your senior year basketball, baseball, those kind of things. What were you thinking for college? And, and at the same time, mm-hmm. talk to us about what were you thinking as a career at that point? It's it's really easy to pigeonhole you and say, man, you're a coach, a successful coach's kid. You're going to be a coach, right? But maybe not. What were you thinking? college where to go and what to even major and be a professional in I was a typical 18 year old boy that um, just didn't really have a clue on what they wanted to do and just knew I wanted to do athletics that's all I cared about Um, that's all I wanted to do and I was a big fan of the University of Arkansas for a long time and Dick Booth very nice to talk to me and you know give me an opportunity and uh, I loved every minute of it so that was kind of my thought process I just want to get out and you know I wanted to get out of Joplin I've been around my dad for a while and been around Missouri Southern so it wasn't anything against him it's just I felt like I needed to experience something else and you know when you're growing up and you're at the track more than most of his kids are you know as athletes (laughs) you kind of know the place more than more in your own home so I felt like I just need to get out and try something new and do something different get out of my comfort zone a little bit and uh and your dad and John McDonald, if I remember, great right, friends, great friends, right? Yeah, okay, yes. that, that's what I thought. I thought there was a great huge friends. connection, right. like not just coaching peers, that there no. was like personal friendship, in right? That realm. Yeah, they were. Uh, what, what was your thought on? You said you just wanted to do athletics. You just wanted to, at this point, pole vault. Um, what were you, were you thinking at all? Anything about a career, or was it just like, yeah, just no. go to college and I'll figure it out. That's right. Something, something will happen. Exactly. Like awesome. That. Awesome. So I went into so when I enrolled in New York, Arkansas, I was um, I was just teacher ed. I was like, sure, I'll just mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Get me whatever class I need. And then when I transferred back to Missouri Southern. I picked up kinesiology, did that, really didn't enjoy that very much. And so finally changed my major a second time and landed on business mm-hmm. and thought I'm going to sell insurance or make a lot of money and want business. And that's kind of where it took me. Spo- spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> we could have seen the future at that point. <laughs> What up? Exactly so, right. So uh, I have to assume your dad at this point is a major influence as far as mentorship mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, you know, you had some great people even when you were much, much younger at uh, Adam State. Now, in, in my mind, you know, I think every coach is amazing. I mean, what what you do, whether you coach at middle of nowhere, you fall Alabama, that's, that's where I'm from, uh, mm-hmm. or you are at University of Oregon, Arkansas, it doesn't matter. I think, you know, your influence and what you do for young people is bar none there's uh, outside of teachers I, I don't know of another profession that has the influence over young people that make this world go around but there are certain coaches who are just <laughs> there's just another notch right Boo right. Shexnader comes to mind who we had on the mm-hmm. podcast uh Brooks Johnson you know those kind of guys Dick Booth is one of those people yes. like w- I mean not only results wise what he accomplished with his athletes uh but his demeanor of mm-hmm. working with other coaches was 
you know, from my experience as a coach and coaching against him uh, is just phenomenal. What was it like for that year? Uh, just did you were you able to understand who Dick Booth was? Now as a coach, you can, but as a, as an athlete, were you able to kind of understand like, wow, I've got something special here in regards to a, a coach relationship? I mean, I I think the world of Dick Booth. He is a phenomenal person. I mean, and what you see on the track is what he is as a person. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you were right. When you're an athlete and you're in the moment, you really don't realize it um, until much later. Of what he teaches you and, and just his demeanor and how he coaches. I mean, I just thoroughly enjoyed uh, my time with him, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. It was just fun to be around it. And he did. He challenged me and he challenged, like, he challenged all of his athletes. And I was just fortunate enough to be there. Trust me, I was at the bottom of the totem pole when you talk about the athletes that he was coaching at that time i was just learning mm-hmm. and trying to figure things out but no he is a phenomenal person i some of his workouts we still use today mm-hmm. uh, in my training and i still love it i mean his big sand workout and then his after that his hill sprints we do that to this day oh, wow. and uh a and- lot of the stuff he's taught me and while you weren't in his group, what influence did uh, John McDonald as the head coach have, or, or did you even see and interact with him? Much? Uh, I'm not sure what his very little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just his presence alone. You're like, yeah, it was, he's a, he's a room stopper. <laughs> it walks in. It's like, Oh, exactly. man, and he just, you know, it, you're right. Your attention is drawn to him yeah. and you know, the historic just presence that he has, um, it was yeah so we we never interacted much but you just every time you walked into a room you wanted to listen and Mm. you know it's kind of like uh the old saying yeah when ef hutton spoke everybody listened yeah and that was you're much smarter than me it's like i know that name what did ef hutton do uh just very politically my dad would always say that to you okay see there's the influence there it is okay good um so it was, it was you, good. I went to school in Alabama, man. We didn't study no EF Hutton and stuff like that. I don't know what we studied down there. Uh, well, that's awesome. I, I love, you know, Arkansas is historic, and, and it's historic because of its coaches, in my opinion. I, I know the athletic side, obviously, and that's who, you know, runs the races and jumps the jumps to win the championships. But leadership to me is, is important and valuable. And so if you don't have those coaches, I don't think if a Dick Booth and a John McDonald and some of the other amazing coaches that have come through there don't come through there, Arkansas is not Arkansas. I'm sorry. Just right. it's not. If, sorry, Fayetteville is not that special of a place. <laughs> you know, coming from a, you know as a former Mississippi State coach, I can say that with uh, with all honesty. There. So you do a year there with Dick, and then you come. I don't say you come back home, but now you transfer to Missouri Southern. What led to that, and how did that process go at Missouri Southern for you? Um, there's a, a lot of variables that went into it. And, you know, I, I did the Arkansas thing, loved it, nothing against it. I, I think if I would stay there, I would have loved it even more. But I felt like, you know, with pole vault especially, and we all know that, you know, Arkansas is never a pole vault school, especially on the men's side. Right. Women's side, yeah, completely different, different story. Yeah. Um, and I just felt, and I was like, gosh, I need, I'm not where I need to be. I feel like there's something more I can have and be better and yeah, just transfer back home for other reasons as well. Um, you know, I did my time and I also looked at, you know, all those times my dad and I would go back and forth, especially with arguments that, <laughs> and we're both stubborn, 
but I also missed having him around and I just missed that relationship that we had. You know, I think uh, looking back at my time, I, I wouldn't trade that for a world. Because so many times we miss our parents not being at the track meets or enjoying that experience. And I was very fortunate to say my dad was at every track meet, you know. T tell me your dad uh, made you walk on or give you a books only scholarship. <laughs> I did not get a scholarship until my senior year. <laughs> I knew it. I, I was ready it to was, be like, no, no, I had was. a full ride. But I was like, I kind of know your dad a little <laughs> no. bit. I knew it. <laughs> no. And I knew it. I mean, here's the thing. There's a lot of kids that needed it more than I did. I didn't, I didn't need it. I uh, was very fortunate and, you know, so there was other kids, but yeah, see, and he didn't give it to me until the start of my senior year. He goes, well, I've got some money left over. I'll give you. <laughs> Almost begrudgingly, like, all right, I, oh, I guess. He might, yeah, he knew, you knew the demeanor in that meeting. <laughs> you're lucky you're here. <laughs> you're lucky you got one more year because I don't want to just tie this up for two years. <laughs> So, and did uh, did Matt Campbell? He transferred to Missouri Southern, right? He did. Yeah, good, okay. he was there two years. Had, I, I, uh, I was, three years. Yeah, three so years. Yeah, so I think three. Yeah, because I was thinking about Matt a lot as we were scheduling this, Kyle. Um, you know, I, I recruited Matt to Neosho County, mm -hmm. and, and I honestly think that is one of the dumbest things I've ever done. Now. <laughs> I'm so glad I did because, you know, he went to Missouri Southern and, um, you know, at least last I heard, you know, that's where he met his wife, I believe, and he's mm -hmm. got a great career and he's doing awesome. Uh, but, and the reason I say one of the dumbest things I did as a coach, because I let my ego get in the way of what was best for the athlete. So when I was recruiting Matt, yeah, I, I can barely spell pole vault, Kyle. So there was no reason for me to recruit any pole vaulters at Neosho. We didn't have the facilities for it. We certainly didn't have inventory for poles and, and the such. I 100% did not have the knowledge. I, I certainly could make Matt faster. <laughs> but as soon as that pole went down, I was like, I'm out, man. I have no clue what voodoo magic happens after that. But my ego said... Well, he's, you know, he I think he was the number two uh, pole vaulter in the country that year behind mm -hmm. uh, one of the brothers that went to Air Force. I can't remember their names. Yeah. Um, he went 16-10 at high school. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he was a stud, yeah. He's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. I mean, the kid just was, we talked about earlier, you want to talk about natural? Mm -hmm. Matt Campbell was a natural. Yeah, good point. He just yeah. got it. He just yeah. figured, he knew how to do it. Yeah, and very athletic. I mean, which yeah. you need anyway if you're going to be a good pole vaulter, right? But I, I mean, mean he literally just frustrated the living crap out of me. Is that I mean, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He, he was so talented. I was like, I can't stand this guy. He's so damn talented. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great friend of mine. I'm going to tell yeah. you. Yeah. We still talk. And, uh, good. Uh, just proud. Of, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he made him, me better. Tell him next time. Next time you talk to him, tell him like, "Hey, man, I was talking to Mike, and you know, he, he regrets <laughs> recruiting you, and only because I put him in a terrible situation. I, I brought him to a place that had no support for him. Yeah. I, I, I was promised things from my administration of like, we'll get extra coaches. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna find a vault coach for this kid. Mm -hmm. He was bringing his own poles. I'm like, okay, we're giving the inventory and things like that uh, for him. And then none of it happened. And then I leave him. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, thanks for yeah. coming from Indiana to Chinook, Kansas. By the way, I'm going to Indiana. That's when I, I went from there to uh, Ball State over in Muncie. So mm -hmm. uh, I just felt terrible in that sense. But I'm so happy that it all, you know, for him, it, it all worked out. It was the way – it was what he was supposed to be doing, you know. So I just mm – -hmm. I was just thinking about that. I was like, man, I really let my ego – like I, I should have done the right thing. If I was more mature uh, in a better place, you know, for my own self confidently, I would have been like, hey, Matt, love you to death, man, but 
you know, this ain't the right place for you. You need to go to a junior college that actually focuses on the vault, much like you were talking a little bit about with Arkansas on the men's side. Like, you, you need a place that this means something to them. He, to me, was like, oh, he's 10 points. That's that's literally how it looked. Right. I was like, I, I could mess him up. As long as I don't injure him, he'll, he'll go and win the JUCO <laughs> vault back, you know, back then. So. Uh, but please give him my best regards, man. I love that guy to I death. And, uh, that yeah. guy's a great guy. I still he actually people. married a Pitt State pole vaulter, Lisa Douglas. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's so cool, she, man. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's a small world. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> okay, enough about me and my bad ego. So uh, you go to Missouri Southern. You finally earn a scholarship. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Um, and, and you became a pretty good vaulter. You're going to nationals. Did, did you win yeah. the national title? or I know you uh, placed high. Yeah, I kept getting second to Matt, unfortunately. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, we went. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. So we were at Abilene, um, and we went one, two, three in the nation that year and then the next year we went matt and i went one two of course and matt beat me by one miss i missed my first uh, attempt to at the open bar i was like gosh dang this guy i cannot beat him so when, when i said i shouldn't have recruited him you're like yeah you shouldn't have if you'd have gone somewhere else i'd have felt a lot better <laughs> hey if you're gonna get beat by a guy make it a teammate right i'm like, that's right I mean, that's, that's exactly right for you yeah 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 that's so, awesome man i love it i love it i love it good group um, of guys so where are you as you're going junior senior year you know you guys are you're one two three which is amazing honestly that's 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 actually like a really cool like that's the memory you'll remember forever it's like oh, yeah me and my 100%. teammates top three baby uh it was like another day of practice for us that, that's so awesome <laughs> i love it where are you 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 changed to a business major are, are you thinking mm -hmm. at all at coaching are you still thinking you're gonna go become no i um salesman? so over the summer i worked um as kind of help my mom's insurance it i said did that and i was like i cannot sit behind a desk mm -hmm. i cannot do this so i went back and again typical dad at southern they didn't have a didn't have a master's program so he gave me a stipend of 200 dollars a month <laughs> to be his assistant coach while i went to grad school and tried to train one more year um as well because i was starting to figure some things out in the pole vault mm -hmm. But I went to grad school at Missouri State in Springfield. Mm -hmm. So I would help coach, you know, after I graduated, I'd help coach for my dad for two years. And I would drive to Springfield three nights a week after practice to go to night class and then try to help him recruit. And that was, a, that taught me a lot. It taught me, it just, you know, it, how to manage things, but, you know, it just taught me how to work. And, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was very fortunate to have Jacob Williams, Russell Ellis. Uh, those two guys are just great pole vaulters. And Jake is just a, you know, he was, he was good for a young coach to work with because he's very knowledgeable. So I learned a lot more from him than, you know, he did from me. So I was very fortunate to have having the athletes I did and my dad guiding me and helping me out. Now I'm always curious about early staging coaches early stage in coaching because for, for one most of us coaching wise we're going to fall back to how we were coached to coach until we go through some coaching ed and maybe learn some other things and, and stuff like that right but you're so you're fresh off of senior year um you, you're you're going to school somewhere else so that's kind of a, a main focus is school you still got to focus on that right um you're still vaulting yourself so were you 
coaching or were you practicing and helping people out? Do you oh, understand that coaching. difference? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I would practice. My dad and I would practice in the morning. Okay. So we would practice about nine o'clock. Usually he'd let me vault and then I would vault and then I would start coaching. Usually I coach the high jumpers um, around, usually around 11. And then I would coach the pole vault at one. And then I started helping out kind of with the multis after that and sprints. And, but the pole vault multi was my two main ones that I really started to dive into. Um, no idea how to coach either of those or make workouts. And uh, my dad, I asked him one day, I was like, well, how do I structure workouts? He goes, ah, you'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> probably not. I mean, he, he had his plate full uh -huh. uh, of trying to do other things. So I just... Oh man, I look back at those workouts and they're terrible. Gosh, I'm an idiot. But I think that's just how you learn. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I have I have a lot of empathy for that. You, you know, there's this. I'm huge into coaching education, so I am always mm -hmm. on board with people going to USATF, and now we have USATF CCCA and things like that. Altus. I mean, there's so many mm -hmm. great coaching education uh, abilities out there. Individual coaches that do, uh, you know, Zoom training and things like that. Uh, and and so sometimes that gets flipped with coaches who don't do those things and it becomes like those are the bad people and it's like you know i have a lot of empathy for high school coaches and and a a kid i mean you're still a kid at that point in that situation and your dad in that situation where it's like there's a lot of other things going on it mm -hmm. you know learning how to coach high jump is not everybody's number one top <laughs> priority your dad's running a team <laughs> you yep. know is still a dad and you know a, a husband and a son and you know there's there's a lot of other things that are going on so i have a ton of empathy for uh people in that situation where it's like hey man i would love to i just don't you know what am i going to do and even back then we're still not in any kind of heyday in regards to like youtube and stuff like that so it's not oh, like you could have no. just plugged away on youtube it's like uh, was there a book somewhere i don't know you know uh, i bought more cliff rovelto yeah. dvds and <laughs> books and i bought more stuff than i i mean and then on my downtime, I was reading, I was watching yeah. videos, I was take, taking notes. I mean, but that's, I think that helps. And we get lost in that. I'm not going to get into my philosophy, but so many times I think coaches lose sight of like, how do I coach? Mm. What do I need to do? You know, we're saying, well, this is what the book says. Mm. Well, right. I know what the book says, but mm -hmm. take that knowledge and then make it your own. Mm -hmm. And I think we lose sight of that. I think every coach needs to find their niche, how they do it and what works for them with the knowledge they are given. And so I was just very fortunate to say, I'm just going to figure it out. And I think I sent Cliff Rovelto multiple emails to say, hey, you got anything for me? And he was probably getting annoyed with me, but. Mm -hmm. I, I know him too well. He yeah. did not. He's so awesome. You know, and so it, it helped me tremendous. And again, very fortunate of all those coaches that lent a hand of just giving me some information and uh, to help guide me because I, I still have logs of those workouts I would do and. I look back at them just to get a good laugh every now and then. Mm. <laughs> you still keep bad. the logs. Yeah, I have folders of just because, you know, I wanted to see back what I did back in the day. So, Did your dad, do, like, where did you pick that up? Because that's a, not everybody, I, I was not a logger. <clears throat> I, I wish I would have, but uh, where did that you come You started from? writing all that stuff down and making workouts, uh, uh, the yearly planning stuff, and I just kind of kept it all written down in a folder. And, and now you look back and you're like, I'm sorry, I, I should. Not oh, I told Jake Williams all the time. I was like, man, I'm, how did I not mess you up? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love your distinction about 
book learner, and I shouldn't say book, you know, you know coach it ed, edge people, but then also the real world of what your situation is and how you coach and what works for you. Because I think, I think that's two divergent paths that a lot of people go on. And I think the really, really good ones, you know, like the next step up coaches are the ones that take both of those, like you said, and, and marry them together. Cause you, you can't just do what you think looks good and feels good without having the science part of it backing you up, but you can't just go to the science part and think that a kid, an 18 year old kid or a 20 year old kid uh, is going to be what that picture is in the book. You know, that we all have different backgrounds and athleticisms and lack of athleticisms, <laughs> lack of experiences. So being able to marry those two up, that's where the real, magic happens right and then you layer that with experience of different kids in different situations and different athletes so that, that that's a that's a pretty astute uh, observation of course a coach's kid would come up with that observation i love it i love it so during this time as what i'm going to call part-time coaching did part -time, the right. did the did the bug bite you or are you still thinking it did i was just so competitive and you know i was very fortunate to have really good athletes that had good success so again that that really helped me develop that bug like you talked about because it was exciting you know i mean my Corey reynolds in a high jump that was six six out of high school and then he's going seven feet in a national runner up so it felt like i helped him along that way you know and we grew together and i learned again i would say i learned more from him because i was still learning how to coach a high jump you know and learning why is this happening what's going on how can we change it and so he was very receptive, you know, I was very fortunate to have athletes that, you know, they just were happy somebody was coaching them. Mm -hmm. They didn't felt like, oh, he's not good enough. They were just appreciative to say, hey, he's trying to help me, mm -hmm. you know, and they were a sponge and they soaked it up. And then we were able to talk back and forth about what was going on. And they gave me feedback about what they're feeling. So it helped my development a lot in those areas. And you had great facilities there. I mean, actually, at that, that time. time, as I say, at that time, yeah. one of the top in the regions, and right. I don't know about the rest of D two, but I mean, when I was coaching at, at Neosho, we used to come over for meet, especially indoors for sure. Uh, I, I went to Pitt State once for indoor, Kyle, and said I would never <laughs> go again. <laughs> don't I, I won't tell Russ that. <laughs> I, I had no idea what a one sixty track would do for the 200s and 400s, et cetera. And I was like, never, never again. So I, I, I love the actual kind of irony that Pitt State goes from this 160 meter track to a 300. Like you didn't even go to the 200. You're like, F that, we're, we, no, we're, no. we're gonna double it up, literally. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But loved going to, to um, uh, over to Missouri Southern because not only was the facility great and had everything and you know, it was great. Officials were awesome. Like it was, it was they were well run meets, man. I, I really did enjoy that. That, that's what helped me do what we're doing you know now is my dad took such pride in running a meet was i mean right? he oh my gosh i mean if it didn't go <laughs> if we can go all the way back to when we started the southern stampede mm -hmm. and my dad did that i mean the yeah, pride they would take yeah. you know he said people are coming here for an experience and he took that to heart and um so when he put on a meet it, yeah it was he was doing it for other people, you know, yeah. and saying they're coming here and they're coming to my house. They're going to have a great experience and they're going to enjoy themselves. So that kind of sat in with me and then understanding what, how much really goes into hosting a meet mm -hmm. and doing it right. I mean, mm -hmm. those are a lot of things that helped me along my way and figure out. And, you know, my dad just showed me work ethic, you know, just there's no time clock. The job's done when the job's done, mm -hmm. you know, was your dad a, a farmer or, or were his parents farmers? No, that's a very, that's a very um, farmer attitude. His dad, right. His, his dad. So 
he's from Arkadelphia, Arkansas. He went to Washington Baptist. So his dad was a lineman. His dad, you know, my grandpa, he did fireman. He did a bunch of odd and jobs, again, just to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And so his mom didn't work. So I think he learned that from his dad. And mm-hmm. just being from southern Arkansas, you mm-hmm. just have that mentality. Yeah, yeah. That you either did that or you starved. That's and right. Literally was so, the, the options there. And that's how I guess I think it answer your question. That's where it came from. Hmm. All right. So the bug bites you as you're doing this coaching. <laughs> you're, you're, it's, it's, it's amazing that you're doing such a good job being thrown into the fire by yourself. Like if you didn't have that self drive, I'm not sure a kid goes from six, six to seven feet. You know what I'm saying? Like you had to do a lot of reaching out to Cliff or Velto and things like that. Like that's like, thank goodness for those athletes. You at least did that part. Right. Uh, so you, the bug bites you. What, what do you do next? You, I assume you finished the schooling or, or what do you, what's the next step? So that, that was very interesting. So I met my wife at track meet my senior year. Uh, she was actually a 400 meter runner at Kent State. I ran for rest to it. So yeah, so me and Matt Campbell both married Pitt State athletes. So very entertaining. Funny, yeah. Small world, right? <laughs> so anyway, so she she was finishing up school my last year um, as a grad student, and she was going to physical therapy school at Rockhurst up in Kansas. Mm, yeah, very popular. School. So we got married because she finished up in December, and then she took that semester off before she started grad school. So we got married over spring break and did that and so we she was accepted into rockers and so we were moving up there so i was looking for jobs and this is a long story so this is kind of where my coaching and where it, it taught me a lot about just life in general um so shamika berkeley just got the job at umkc okay. she's a new coach there well she offered me the job i said perfect oh you know do that it's right across the street from rockhurst mm-hmm. so she offered me that job and we had salary negotiations and all that stuff well i never signed a contract so we moved up there signed a lease up at zona rosa area north kent city and we move up there and i'm trying to get her to say hey i need to sign my contract before i really start working you know i need to start paying rent mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> good. she emails me back said well i need to interview two more people before i make that decision I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's that not what part you had said. already been done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is not what you said. She was, yes, I'm sorry, but I have to do this. I was like, well, we need to talk. I was like, well, she goes, I won't be back in the office until July 5th. I was like, I'm going to AD. I need to figure out if I have a job or not. So I move up there. I'm sitting in the office on July 1st. I, I remember this. I mean, to this day, sitting in the office waiting to talk to the AD, and I had all the emails of our correspondence. Said, "Okay, I'm gonna get this thing figured out one way or the other." So I'm sitting there waiting, and she walks in the door. I'm like, "You're not supposed to be here till July 5th." She goes, "Yeah, we need to talk." I'm like, "Yeah, I think we do." <laughs> so we go in her office, and anyways, there's some words said that um, probably we weren't very kind, and I was not too pleased with. So, anyways, I left there, and I didn't have a job. Yeah, well, I was kind of. So, <laughs> I thought I saw that writing on the wall. <laughs> so I go home, and of course, my you know my wife, uh, she was well, how to go? I'm like, I don't have a job. She goes, What are we gonna do? I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. So we're sitting there. I then so this is the next turn in my career. <laughs> I so then now I'm turning into surviving. I got to pay rent because mm-hmm. my wife's full time student. Mm-hmm. We have no money. 
So I start working at the national golf course, just picking up balls, being a club boy, washing cards. I was like, I just got to pay rent. So as I'm doing that, I'm sending out resumes all over the place. I was like, I just need a job anywhere and anything. So Mike Blumker over at Johnson County gave me a call. And this was August. I mean, I've been working at the National for the past month and just trying to make ends meet. And he goes, and he goes, listen, I need a sprints, hurdles, throws coach. I was like, he goes, do you have any experience? I was like, yep, sure do. Lying through my teeth. I have no idea why. Because <laughs> um, um, you already had a full ball talk, coach. <laughs> we, we talk about the uh, disadvantages of not having the internet sometimes. Sometimes there are advantages. There was no really looking it up. It's like, all right, he said, he said he does, so I guess so. Wow. I had to be the only applicant because I was like, if you even read my resume, there's no... <laughs> so I go for the interview. And he said, okay, you're hired. I was like, thank goodness. What is he? Goes, well, it's part-time. I was like, whatever. Yeah. I was like, what's the part-time pay? So... I got in there. It's so that whole month of August, I'm I'm telling now it's like I'm coaching the throws, I'm coaching the hurdles, which I've never done. <laughs> I'm coaching multis. And so that was my first experience with the multi. So I go and I remember this. I would, you know, Johnson County had well, it did a beautiful track mm-hmm. yeah, outdoor. Loved it. So I would go out there and I would read all night, read a book, do all this stuff. And then I would go and teach myself how to throw the hammer and teach myself how to throw the discus and the javelin and do all those things. So I would read a video. I had a, I bought a little video camera, mm-hmm. you know, and I would put on a tripod and I'd video myself. I was like, oh my gosh, that was, that was not it. But please tell me those videos still <laughs> exist somewhere. I couldn't tell you. So I did that and I teach myself how to do it. And it, it just, again, it, it taught me a lot. And I broke a couple of javelins because I was not throwing them <laughs> Sorry, Mike. No, sorry. There's so much I love and and don't love about that story, right? I I mean, because what's (laughs) funny is when you talk about sprints, hurdles, and and throws, you know, as a former hurdle coach, and that's my, you know, that's the the best event there is. That's my favorite. I feel like it's easier to, and don't take this the wrong way, fake your way through sprints and hurdles than it is the throws. Like in sprints and hurdles, if you just don't know anything, you can make them do 200-meter repeats and throw them over the hurdles. Give them in shape. Yeah, something's going to happen. Give them in shape. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) throwing and maybe it's just my like complete like i love throws and i used to go early for practice to watch hammer throwers because i think that is one of the neatest events in the i whole love the world. hammer yeah right um absolutely love it but i couldn't coach the throws out of, i couldn't coach myself out of what paper bag to coach the throw like i would have no idea I'd be like ah, elbow in i hear that a lot elbow in for the shot right uh but i'd have no idea but so on one hand it's like man kyle i can't believe you would do that like but then so that's the part I maybe don't like. But the part that I love is this, and, and here's a reoccurring theme with you, Kyle. It's like, okay, I, I said I'd, I can do this. So i got to figure out how to do this. And yeah. you went and taught yourself video. I mean, going as far to video in yourself, like that's – like that, that is, Figure something out. <laughs> maybe that is if you were to look for the definition of work ethic. Maybe that's it. It's like, okay, no excuses. i got to figure this out for them and myself. To, to give them a fighting chance and myself a fighting chance. That, that's So that's kind of the good part. But wow. Man. It was fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I had Jeff Woods, who to this day, good friend of mine. So he came and he was a discus thrower, very talented out of Lewisburg, Kansas. 
actually, after he left Johnson County, he signed and threw javelin for University of Arkansas. Oh, wow. Um, And so very fortunate to have him. Again, I've been fortunate to have great athletes that, again, were just good people that understood the situation and were just happy that somebody was there trying to help. Any pushback? no, he he just For anybody any I, athlete I was, that was like, hey, wait a minute, I came oh, here to become a better thrower. Oh yeah, we we there's I'm not gonna name names, so yeah, we Bro. had the young lady that uh, I remember getting my butt chewed from Mike Blunker because I kicked her off the team <laughs> and I had to go crawling back and invite her back on, um, just because it, it was a lot of you know just resentment and animosity and like you don't know what you're doing. I was mm-hmm. like, well, give me a chance, mm-hmm. give me a chance. Mm-hmm. I was like you're not going to work harder than me at trying mm-hmm. to figure this out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, um, but then the guys I had, I had Robert Flagg, uh, just good hearted kid that just happy to be there. And then Jeff Woods is, is a very talented. Um, so he went to Coffeville to play quarterback mm. out of Lewisburg and then just transferred back because he wanted to do track. He was the state mm-hmm. champion of discus and very talented thrower, just very talented young man. And we, I remember watching video countless hours of video with him and we were both learning, yeah. trying to figure it out. What's he doing? And we analyze it to another thrower. And so it was good. It uh, really taught me a lot. Um, it also taught me that I did not want to do junior college. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. it was just hard because I, I'm such a relationship kind of guy, mm-hmm. meaning I, I love developing a relationship right. with the athlete right. of how do I coach you as a person first? Um, and then just having that turnover in junior college. Yeah, it's tough. You know, 100%. it is. Yeah, yeah. And there's some people who do it and nothing. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. I could do it. I, I'm, so. I'm losing my time frame here. When did, when, when you were there, where is the time frame of when Johnson County actually dropped their program as well? Was that years after? That was two, yeah, it was years after. So I was there from 2008 to 2009 that year okay i was only there one year right right okay and when did johnson make it was terrible decision? three years ago i think it was 2019 oh was it that recent oh, okay I, yeah see, it was see, just uh 2018 19 it was okay I, it was I just a few years ago yeah i was thinking that was longer than that okay so there's still a good program and you know one, oh, yeah. what is it the number three largest school in the state of oh, kansas behind ku beautiful kansas campus state? yeah it's great yep. it's great beautiful so you're there campus. for one year you kind of did mm-hmm. you I know it's easy now because we have hindsight, but in the moment as you're going through that year, did you realize like, yeah, this, this, this isn't my station here, the Juco land. Right. I love coaching. I really did. Um, I really, again, it just kept building from there and just learning and learning how a program is run and how maybe it not things need to change. And so again, I continue on to learn and I was under, Again, I, did, I keep saying I'm very fortunate. It's just uh, when I go back to my experiences, that the strength coach there is Espanya Vork. And if anybody knows strength training and just condition, he, you know, he coached at Texas a He was a strength coach. He coached, um, oh, my goodness, um, Randy Barnes. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was there, and he was the Romanian Olympic coach in the weightlifting. And he was China's Olympic coach. I mean, this guy like to end up at Johnson County that with his knowledge and you want to talk about a guy with energy, this man would, I mean, he would wear me out. I mean, and the, and I still talk to him this day and I'm telling you, he taught me a lot about strength training and conditioning. 
and I would sit in his office for hours just trying to figure that out. What was your background up to this point in that kind of world? Nothing. Weight room world? Zero. Yeah, very, very little <laughs> in regards to that. Very little. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely none. Um, so it was very intriguing. So I would do his workouts just to say, well, let me see what it does to me. Hmm. So I would do his workouts at 6 a.m. and I'd go to the office and he would take him through his workouts and I'd go to work at 8. And I'll tell you, those were the hardest workouts I've ever done. I was in the best shape of my life. Hmm. I mean, he, it's, his book is phenomenal. It's, it's unorthodox to the American way of what we do. But I'm going to tell you, it's, in my opinion, um, we, I still use his philosophy to this day in training. And I mix it with what we need to be doing. But a lot of what I do is from what, what he taught me. So you, you were supposed to be there. Yeah, even though exactly. you thought you were supposed to go, just like Matt Campbell is supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah, you, you thought you were supposed to be a kangaroo. You really need to be a cavalier, if I remember correctly. Cavalier. Uh, yeah. So, so where do you go from Johnson County? That's when uh, Sterling Martin called me, hmm. and so again the coaching carousel. So Brian Shiding was hired at Missouri Southern. Yeah. Well, Shiding was at Missouri S and T. Well, Sterling called me right. and said, "Hey, I got a job opening. I think I'll take it." One, I'm still part time. Right. I, I, I have no benefits. My wife and I have no benefits. And right. That was a whole other story. During the summer, we kind of got ourselves in hot water that, you know, because of no benefits. Mm-hmm. But so we, I moved to Missouri City in Rolla. My wife stayed in Kent City because she still had two years left. I was wondering, I was like, she still has right. time. Yeah. Now, two years now, now. Now, real quick, you said something. You kind of glossed over it. I'm not going to let you gloss over it. I know. You said Shining got uh, hired at Missouri Southern. Uh, and by the way, shout out to Brian. Love him. I know he's yep. listening. Love him to death. We were literally just talking like last week or so, so I, I love him to death. Uh, but that means there was a position open on your dad's staff. That's right. You didn't get hired. You didn't even talk no. about like you didn't even. Th- did you not even think about it or? Uh, couldn't. Um, Missouri has a nepotism law. Okay. Okay. So he couldn't. Yeah. Okay. That, that's a good And cover. you know, I, I tell you, that's why I didn't get hired but... at some of the schools I didn't get. To to. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. think, well, and sense. it was good. I'll tell you, and it, again, everything works out for a reason. Mm-hmm. And yes, I was, and my dad was a little upset with it, and but I needed to branch out. I need to learn. I was still not where I need to be. Mm-hmm. There's so much more I need to learn, develop as a as a coach and person. So I, it was good. It worked out in the end. At the time, it was a little frustrating, mm-hmm. but that I needed to go learn more. Yeah, because there, there's there's yeah. comfort with that, right? I mean, it's like, oh, right. that's that's home, and you know, I know right. every inch of every lane. Uh, so there's frustration there, but mm-hmm. uh, again, you know, hindsight is awesome because we're older and we can look back and see that. You, you talk about you needed to go somewhere else to, you know, what what are all the little you know, grow my own wings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? spread but, your wings. Or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> but did you, in the moment, were you able to realize that? Or is that something that came later on? Was it more of just um, like, uh, I can't go there and that frustrates me, but thank God there's a job over here because I need it. Cause right. I'm, I'm That's or more than anything. Sure, at sure. that time, it was like, I just need to pay rent. That's fair. You know, at that time, I need to learn, but I need something to just pay rent mm-hmm. and this is the best opportunity right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what was it like in Rolla? That's a pretty, I mean, that's an academic school, yeah, man. That's it is. Time. And I, again, I, I, I don't regret anything because I think it, it molded me and shaped me to everything I did. And we, you know, before I get too deep, but at Johnson County, right before I left, you know, they never hosted meets and they had a 200 meter track. Mm. 
And so I told Bumgarner, I was like, why don't we host meets? When I was there, that was the first track meet they ever hosted indoors. Wow. And remember the Pyrobrite system? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You went out. We were one. I mean, I set that hole up. So my dad taught me how to run meets. I took that to Johnson County. Yeah. And we started running meets on the indoors. Like, you're the only 200 meter track in the metropolitan area. Right. Mm -hmm. Why aren't you? raking it in right now yeah for youth meets so that that taught me again how to run a meet and using pyrobrite if anybody have ever used that and the toggles oh my goodness yeah. it was it was very good so you brought in an indoor meet and then left that guy's like crap <laughs> what I, do i do i gotta keep running these things that <laughs> gummit <laughs> i'm like yep i showed you how to do it i'm out i'm out <laughs> So then we went to S&T and Sterling Martin, again, I talked to him about every other week, just yeah. phenomenal person. He was, so when I took that job, Sterling coached the 800 enough and I coached everything else. Mm -hmm. So I coached. Including throws? Including throws. Wow. So you kept uh, going yeah. with that. I kept it. I love it. I'm telling you, I, that's, I really wow. enjoyed the throws. Yeah. I love it. I'm yeah. not, I mean, I'm fortunate I, Coach Manta is a phenomenal throws coach. I, yeah. I learned from him. I love watching throws. But I'll tell you what, you know, go back. If you're listening now and you haven't listened to the uh, Brooks Johnson podcast here on the Gill Connections podcast, you've got to. And one of the things that was fascinating to me that he brought up was that if you're going to be a coach, like he, he talked about coaches who pigeonhole themselves. By the way, that was this guy. I was a sprints coach, you know, and then I became <laughs> a jumps coach and whatever. He's like, all the events have so many commonalities even the because th i even i even chat you know I'm, here's how dumb i am i challenged brooke johnson i was like even the throws <laughs> you know? and he was like exactly the throws he's like the hip still moves you're just right. you've got an implement that has to go with it and do something right and it's either out here or it's over here or your handle etc mm -hmm. uh and he talked about like a coach if you're if you're a coach and you understand the biomechanics and physics of it of, of track you can coach any event he goes and you should he goes it will help you with other event so th that's phenomenal because i would have dumped the, the throws in a heart first of all i would never <laughs> I, actually i can't say i'd never because i at, in the show i had to because i was you know basically the only guy so i was like all right man let's uh figure out how to throw this weight and i still remember how i was teaching this kid to throw the weight and i'm like now that i you know understand the concept i'm like oh what an, i was i was one i could not have been farther off the mark with with this guy man. What a, uh, i can't even apologize to because i'm like i'm just so embarrassed i'm so embarrassed um so you go with sterling martin what a great guy i met him a long, yes. long time ago great guy so you're coaching great friend. sprints hurdles throws multi jumps pole multi jumps yeah, yeah yeah wow everything so that's busy because they maybe back then because they're they're a decent program you yeah. did, like you had good kids and, and a lot of kids probably mm -hmm. we did smart uh, kids <laughs> that and that, that taught me how to coach a kid on the intellectual side of it and say okay mm -hmm. this kid is He's much smarter than I am, so mm -hmm. I better relate to him some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we we lifted at six a.m. Did weights, and I was a strength coach because we didn't have one. And then wow, I started yeah. started practice at ten a.m. and had practice every two hours. And then I would coach the throws at start at five o'clock mm -hmm. and coach to about seven and mm -hmm. go home and learn and try to recruit. Um, so let's say that was good. My wife was not with me because i probably wouldn't have one <laughs> she really knew how many hours because i mean that was just me i had to learn i had to coach and there's a lot of things i needed to do and i would practice seven days a week because i couldn't see the throwers all the time so we practice on sunday right right 
you know, that was the time I had with them and it was good. It, it taught me a lot. I'm very, you know, at the time I was like, this is a lot of work. Do I really want to do this? But very, you know, honored for Sterling to allow me to do it and give me the opportunity. So he taught me just how to manage people. Mm. Sterling was excellent at managing people. You know, and he really taught me. My dad taught me work ethic. So all these coaches mm -hmm. along the way have taught me different things. My dad taught me work ethic, first and foremost, and how to be a motivator. My dad was excellent motivator. And again, great coach, but he was his work ethic and his motivation, how he got kids to do things that you're like, there's no way that kid should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and do it at the conference meet. He was such a phenomenal motivator and inspirational guy to those young men because he loved those kids more than anything mm. he'd do anything for his kids and his kids knew that so they would run through a brick wall so that taught me a lot of okay if i want this kid to do this much then i better show that i care more about him outside of the track and field mm. yeah yeah that he's not just a thrower that's or a right sprinter. and, and that's tommy or lisa or that's John, right right and so my dad taught me that and then sterling taught me how to manage people how to you know manage a program but manage people more than anything and so you know then learning all the throws and all the jumps and learning how to do that i mean terry robinson again very fortunate that great hurdler all-american foreigner hurdler taught me a lot about what workouts didn't work what things did and uh you know uh hellwig um and the pole vault multiple american so I, I was very fortunate to have a lot of kids that again taught me the event and i could i could try some things without fear of i hope we don't mess them up too much mm -hmm. you know i was like this workout didn't work this did and they were still able to overcome it what were you doing at this point for coaching education were you doing any of the formal stuff or were you still you know, talking about videos and stuff like that just yeah still reading yeah. still watching videos i mean at the time i just had my level one mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i didn't have anything else and it was just kind of you know, when I, I talked to, when I started coaching throws, I would call Tucker Woolsey over at Central. Mm. And again, great person, phenomenal throws coach. And so he he just said, you read everything you can get your hands on. So so what were you reading? Um, there used to be um, track technique. And track technique. I bought yeah. books. Oh, my gosh, mm. the amount of books that I <laughs> would buy. And my wife would say, why are you buying another book? I was like, I might pick up one thing. Yes, they're all the same essentially, but there might be one thing in there that I didn't see. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and how was that, you know, first of all, I, I love that you described about, you know, you weightlifting in the morning then you know, 10 o'clock, two o'clock, five, seven days a week. Um, like that, that's kind of the picturesque, that's the movie version of coaching. And, and sadly, that's the real <laughs> version of coaching. Uh, but I absolutely hate it. Like it's one of the things I dislike about track coaching uh, specifically, and not because uh, I don't have the work ethic to do it. It's because it's not fair and it's not right. It's not fair and it's not right for you as a human who is a coach as a profession. It's also not fair for the kids. We, we need more coaches on our staffs. We need to be able to hire more coaches. We have these caps on our coaches that are just ridiculous when you compare to the amount of athletes that we have. And then you compare mm -hmm. to equivalent sports such as a, uh, you know, football and basketball are the two most obvious, right? Football has, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, they have a coach for every position. There's a right guard oh, coach, yeah. a right tackle coach, <laughs> a, a right uh, tight end coach. And, and then basketball, you've got like 15 kids and like five coach, like the oh, ratio yeah. is like one to three. It's, it's mm -hmm. like, 
uh, it's, it's quite ridiculous. But so, so I, I like the your work ethic there, but I, I dislike that you had to do it. You know, I, I'd rather you. It was tough. Yeah. Yeah, and I felt, and then there was times I felt bad because if they had a class schedule and they said, "Well, I can practice here," well, now I've got two mm-hmm. practices going on, and, mm-hmm. and is it right to the group that can be here? Right to neglect them to go coach you so it was a tough balance and okay do we need to rearrange your workouts mm-hmm. to where and so it, again it taught me time management it taught me organization skills because you better be organized when you're coaching that yeah. many events and that many people right and so i would post workouts i mean i would write the entire weekly training on sunday night for every event mm-hmm. i would post it i would email it to them so then they knew exactly when they needed to show up there's mm-hmm. no questions so they would show up, they could warm up and be ready to go when I'm finishing up another group. So it, it just helped me with the organization. So let's talk about that. I told you how we kind of just go on oh. tangents. Uh, and this is um, uh, this is a philosophy question here, right? So you said, I want to make sure I heard you right, that on Sunday you'd write up the workout for the week and you would give it to them in advance. So they knew what Wednesday's practice was going to be, Friday's practice mm-hmm. was going to be, et cetera, right? Uh, I, I did something very similar. I, I actually, uh, I one-upped you. I actually did the whole month in advance. and I'd, I've seen and I'd that. Give them, yeah, yeah, and I'd give them the whole month um, with little notes like, you know, hey, spike day. And, you know, mm-hmm. really my, my whole goal was, one, I, I wanted to treat them like adults, much like you probably right. were. It's like, hey, I'm going to give them to advance if, you know, the whole uh, a kid sees a hard workout so he suddenly has to go to study hall or whatever. It's like, <laughs> man, we're, you know, we're dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds. We got to we got to suck it up. We're adults here mm-hmm. in that sense. Right. Uh, but also to eliminate excuses of like, Oh, I didn't bring my spikes or, Oh, I didn't know we were going to do a you know, pool workout today or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, you've known for a month dog, which That's right. let's, there's no excuses here, but I'm not sure, at least from my time of coaching that that, that you and I are in the majority. In fact, I think it's the complete opposite where most people don't show up with a workout until the day of now i don't necessarily mean they're writing that workout that day of but that they don't share it with the athletes for for me i've heard many many reasons one is the 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 reason i talked about like they don't want to give the kid an advanced notice of a hard workout and so they'll you know find an excuse to miss um, others use and this is a terrible excuse in my opinion uh, well i don't know you know a lot of factors can go in and maybe that's not the actual workout we use that day that, that's cool I, I don't know about you but i didn't write my workouts in tablet form like the 10 commandments i was able to you know change on the fly depending on what the right. you know, weather and you know the mood of the kids etc um but what, why did you do it? What, I mean, I think this is important because I, I think this is uh, seems like a small thing, but I think this is important for coaches to kind of maybe learn from this. Why did you do a week in advance and give it to them? Well, let's look at first the situation, the athletes I did coach at that time. I'm dealing with Missouri S&T. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. These kids were structured. These yep. kids needed a schedule. They needed to know every detail of their life every single day. Mm-hmm. That's just their mentality. Okay. So one, that taught me, it's like, okay, this does help. Um, and I did, I would do a month, but then when I ran into a month is I would change it, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe next week. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, based off the week before. Right. Right. So I stopped doing a month because I'm like, I'm going to probably change it anyways. Mm -hmm. So I started doing the week and the week allowed them to say, when do I need to mentally be prepared? Cause we all know. And I put Mm -hmm. notes in there. Like you said, you put notes. Okay. Hey, Monday's speed and acceleration day. We're getting after it. Bring it. Yeah. I need you me- mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, tempo work or easy day, mm-hmm. you can shut the brain off. Mm-hmm. I, whatever. We can we can BS. We can have some fun. It's yep. keep it light. And then Thursday, hey, we gotta crank it up again. Mm-hmm. So I tell them and keep them. You know, uh, I guess we talk about um, you know 
keeping them honest, but also keep allowing them to be prepared. What is my day? So don't come to me saying, well, I don't fit. Nope, you knew that on this day we're getting after it. So I don't want to hear excuses. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that you didn't do that. That's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you knew three days out we getting after this. And it's holding them accountable. Did, did that they start at ST or did you pick that it up? Did. Dad uh, no, I didn't. That, yeah. I started at ST because I had to be organized. Mm-hmm. I was coaching so many people and I had to figure out something. Yeah. And uh yeah, that that's kind of where it started. And so I would type it up in a word document to mm-hmm. give it to him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yep. And yep. of course now I've got a much prettier version on Excel, but yep. uh, that's where it started on word document. And yeah. that way they would know um, exactly what they're doing just to keep them accountable. And mm-hmm. I don't want to hear excuses. That's what we're doing today. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and knowing but, you, you still have all those. The, yes, I do. Or, yeah, yes, yeah. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I do. wish I still had I, mine. I couldn't use them for anything. I wouldn't give it to anybody because it's like, it's funny you said, you know, at the the kids you had at S&T, you know, very structured and things. Like, I, you know, I was doing this at Mississippi State. Little difference, uh, <laughs> uh, athlete. Great humans, uh, but I, I was going to make them it's like, man, one day, you know, ninety nine percent of us on that track, we're not going pro in track and field. So you are going to have this type of mentality for a career. So I'm going to start, te- I'm, a, I'm in college. I'm supposed to help you get ready for the next stage of your life, a career. So this is one of the best ways you could do it. And and I, even, I even if you are going to be a pro, even if you are going to be a pro check athlete, maybe even more so you better know how to be organized. Like you were talking about, <laughs> right? Cause you got to do your own travel to meets and things mm-hmm. like that. So even with, so uh, S and T uh, how did that go? So we're, we're this is really your first full time. You know, you've got mm-hmm. a lot of coaching experience for for the first first time gig. Boy, you got a lot of experience coming into it. That's mm-hmm. for sure. How many years were you there? And, and how did three that, years? Yeah, is that right? And, uh, that was good. How, how did I, I know what I was going to ask you? And you can balk on this and say I don't want to talk about it. Um, another part that I hate about coaching, <laughs> there's a lot, you know, for as much as I love coaches, there's a lot I hate about coaching. Um, but that's the separation between you and your, your newlywed really at that point as well. Mm-hmm. How, how did, if you don't mind, um, like, how do you deal with that? That's a, that's a tough thing, especially yeah. for newly. I mean, I actually, I don't know that it's easier <laughs> if you were married 20 years, to be honest with you. Um, but it really bugs me that people have to pause their families, you know, your relationships mm-hmm. for this type of long distance relation. Actually, I don't know how far it is from Raleigh to Casey. It's about three and a half. Yeah. Okay. That's, half. that's significant. Yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how was that? How did you guys fight? Through well, and survive? If, if anybody knows my wife knows that she is a very independent woman mm-hmm. and that's what I loved about her. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about her. I don't, I never have to worry about her. Um, she doesn't, you know, necessarily need me and I, you know we we i mean and happy, she tells happy me that valentine's she, day baby yeah, I, oh trust me she tells me that she goes, I, it's like i know trust me i'm a very lucky man and i'm <laughs> but that that's what i love about her and that's what keeps this train moving forward to be honest mm-hmm. with you with the three kids that we got and but that we understood that and we knew i had to do this to help us in the long run mm. Mm-hmm. And we had to make it. And she was so ingrained in her schooling, doing all that. I mean, she, we didn't, I mean, it, we didn't just have time. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had to do our career and just say, hey, we'll match up and we'll get back together eventually. But mm-hmm. we got to make our path. You didn't have any of the kids during that time. We didn't have any kids. Okay, nope. good. Yeah, yeah. That's nope. that's huge and helpful. As yeah. Well. Especially especially as her being at school. I mean, that's. A, yep. I mean, there's women who do it, and God bless you. But that's just that's more. No. And again, that was such a big thing. So we would when once January hit, 
I'll tell you, we knew off season in spring break. And I'll, if you're able to get away a weekend, you can come down, but you're going to spend the weekend at a track. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily she's a track athlete. My, my wife is not a track person. And so we go to track meets. I'm like, you're so bored. I know. I love you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special sport. I know. And she, I know. But, you know, she loves it. And uh, even yeah. to this day, like, we'll be, God, I'm not going to get too far ahead, but, you know, she, she texts me in the middle of the meet and says, why are you putting this person on four by four? I'm like, don't. Oh, I'm not. I love her death and it's entertaining. Oh, wow. <laughs> she is that involved in it. Oh, man. So, so you've got an assistant cool. coach right there. Oh, buddy. yes. 100%. <laughs> wow. Love it. She'll love tell it, me she it. was. And she, we put, uh, we put, I'm not going to say Dave, but yeah. somebody on four by four. She goes, I told you. I was like, God damn. <laughs> well, they say wives are always right, man. You got to. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So three years at S&T, where do we go next? And, and why? Well, so there's another funny story, and I know we're always running out of time. But so I knew, you know, of course, Rusty, my dad always knew each other from Missouri Southern Pitt State. Uh, so my second year after um, S&T, um, I got a call from Russ because they had a coaching change. And he called me, and I'll remember this day, it was two weeks before school started. He called me and said, hey, I got a job opening that just came up. I'd like to hire you. Can you start? Yeah, I was like, gosh, dang it, Russ. I was like, you know, it was one of those opportunities, but I'm such a loyal person. Mm. I turned it down. I turned it down. And he said, I could do an emergency hire where I don't have to open it up because of the short notes. Mm -hmm. And I said, I turned it down because I couldn't do that to Sterling. I couldn't leave those kids two weeks. Prior. I was like, because I know if I would have left, they wouldn't have got a quality coach. I'm not saying I was a quality coach, but they would have been scrambling. Sure. And so I turned it down and uh, he said, okay, well, if it's still open in, in May, then we'll have to open it up and go through the interview process. I'm like, I'm willing to do it, you know, and run the risk of not having it, but I can't do that to Sterling. I can't do that to these kids and this team. Uh, it just wouldn't, right. If it would have been June, sure. They would have had time to find mm -hmm. a quality coach. So that was the interesting story in that. So then when May comes back around, um, you know, the job opening at Pittsburgh State came up and I applied, went through the process and very fortunate that uh, Russ hired me and been here ever since. Because Russ had been there for a long time, right? Oh my goodness. He started, he started, I think, at that book, 88. I think it was 86. Well, he graduated from here and he was GA and then he was an assistant coach and then women's coach. I think 86 he started as a head women's wow. coach. Wow. And then 88 or something. I'll have to look back. But then he took over both after David Sinnerham retired. Okay. Wow. Man. That's so, amazing. yeah, I mean, he just retired in 37 years. He's head coach. Can you believe that? that that's or something like that. It, it was. It's unbelievable. I've had this discussion before on the podcast, but we've we've talked about the coaches who have been at a place for a significant amount of time, and once you get it past about ten people, it's hard to start coming up with more. People. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the Amy Deems and Curtis Fries, and you know John McDonald was there for mm -hmm. a long time, of course. But it gets like you start saying, "Oh yeah, what about short so list?" It's like, "Yeah, five years." Like, "Oh, okay, well, that's not all that long." Yeah, yeah, it's it's oh, uh, harder list. and harder these days, I think, for people to to be there for a longer time. So uh, you go to Pitt State as the assistant coach there. 
I'm going to go out on a limb. You did not coach everything from the 800 meter no. down. Maybe you had a more <laughs> defined uh, area now. I coached a pole vault, high jump, and multis. Okay. That was the only events I coached. And again, I, I told him, it's like, I want to coach the multis in every event because yeah. I wanted to still, I enjoyed the throws. I was like, I just wanted to still do that. I still love the hurdles. Again, I'm a track fan. I mm -hmm. love every event. I still want to be engaged into all the events. Mm -hmm. So I did. I coached every single event with them. And we would go from one event to the next. And so, yeah, that was the only events I coached when I got here. So and I'd help of, out with the sprints, but. But you had but a lot of, you had a lot of free out. time. <laughs> Compared, <laughs> that, but, comparatively. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would coach the high jump from 11 to 1, pole vault from about 1 to 3, and then my multi would be about 3 to 6 or yeah. whenever we got done that night. That, that's interesting about coaching all the events and the multis. Uh, I think that's the right way to go. Um, if you can, if you have the skill set mm -hmm. to, to do it, and maybe, maybe everybody does actually, maybe that's what we're learning through your story is like, you actually do have the skill set. It's just going to take time to learn it and mm -hmm. put yourself in there. Maybe film yourself doing the event itself <laughs> and watching that. Just please post that on Twitter. If you do that coach is, uh, <laughs> I just want to see that please. Um, but you know, when I did uh, my level two in combined events, uh, that was a big theme of, because, you know, you're talking a lot about training theory and how do you not just kill a kid and just fry him out because, you know, the sprint coach goes hard on Monday and then the throws coach goes hard on Tuesday and then the right. jumps coach goes hard on Wednesday. It's like, dude, you know, hard, hard, hard equals injured. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it's important. It, it, it's interesting. You get that scope of, you know, the whole training regime. So you know when you're frying the CNS, when I can go to recover, yep. when I need to go to recovery, et cetera. It helps that entire development. So maybe what you are losing, I'm doing in air quotes here in expertise in the shot or the discus or the jab you're gaining a multiple by right. knowing the whole training sequence for the multi-athletes right that's and i did their weight program i mean i mm, everything yeah. they did went through me yeah that's interesting and, uh, we have a strength coach but still i'm just so oh i said anal about making <laughs> sure everything is right uh it's just something that i have to make sure we're doing it like 8 a.m. this morning, I had a meeting with our strength coach and made sure, hey, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's the percentage, that's the reps. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not a lot of coaches have was able to have the experience like I did in weight training back mm -hmm. early in their career. And so I'm, I want to continue to be knowledgeable in strength training and everything that they do because that's such a big role in what they're mm -hmm. doing on the track. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So. And I think to what you're doing, where the strength coaches, it sounded like the strength coach is still doing the workouts but you're writing the workout yeah, yeah because the strength coach typically has no idea what you're doing on the track that day right. you do so again you can't go mm -hmm. hard on the weight room on a recovery day because well that's no longer a recovery day on the track right. anymore you know the body's still the body right so that's, that's right. important and i think that's a real big lesson for coaches even if you don't have the strength and conditioning background the weightlifting background so maybe you're not writing the workouts, but you need to be in communication mm -hmm. with your strength coach. Like, hey, here's here's my themes for the days. I need you to be in lock and step with me, <laughs> not just whatever you feel like doing in the weight room that day, sir uh, or ma'am. Uh, so that, that, I think that's an important lesson is the communication has to be there one way or the other, no matter how involved you are in regards to whether you're writing the workouts or conducting the workouts themselves uh, in the weight room. So how many years have you been at Pitt State now? This is my 10th year. And you are in your second, third first year as head coach. First year. First year. Man, I, I'm so old. Yeah, I, don't remember I was. Uh, anymore. 
I was three years, three years associate, and then it's my first year's head. Okay, so I love my favorite question to ask head coaches, whether they're one year in or a hundred years in. <laughs> were, were you ready that that first day of I'm the head coach? Were you prepared from all this? You know, nine years at Pitt State, three years at Missouri Southern, uh, Missouri S and T. Your dad being a head coach, you, you seem like maybe you would be the most prepared. How was it? I don't think you're ever fully prepared. I think you can you can handle situations better. I think you're better prepared to handle situations, but I don't think you're ever fully prepared with the amount of work because that's what I think some people don't understand is the amount of work. And you're not only now managing your small group, you're managing everybody, your coaches. You know, you gotta deal with them maybe being happy or them struggling and you have to help them along the way. And then, you know, if you have young coaches trying to guide them and be a mentor for them along with 120 athletes that you're now mm-hmm. trying to manage and make sure that you develop personal relationships with each of them because, you know, you just be like coach, pole vault, multis and everything. I need to be engaged into the cross country. I need to know them. I need to know that they are still a big part of this program. So it is, it's a lot more, but it's great. And I was very fortunate. Again, Russ, Coach Jewett is just a phenomenal head coach. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better series of coaches that I was able to learn under and grow under. Right. I mean, yeah, I've been very fortunate in my career, and Russ taught me how to run a program. And, you know, so I have the motivational and the inspirational and the passion that my dad had and then Sterling how to manage people and then Russ just how to actually run a program and to get people to do things and, and to place people in certain things during conference and put how to put your team in a position to win a conference and or nationals each year. And that's what I learned from Russ is how can we place our people correctly and how do we manage all this that goes on? You know, everything that deals with not only men and women, but also facility running needs. I mean, it's, it's a lot. And Russ is, just been a phenomenal mentor to me and helped me a long way and he's still here so we still have coffee about every other week and oh, that's great. i'm very fortunate to run some ideas off of it and he's still so engaged in everything we do you know he so it, it's again i'm i am extremely blessed to yeah. be able to do all that you mentioned you're big into not i don't want to say you're big into that your philosophy your way of living not just coaching is the people so it's not just you're a javelin thrower you are tommy my who happens to throw javelin for me so you get to know them how do you you know as you how many kids do you have on the team uh we're we're right at about 115 you know that's a lot yeah yeah (laughs) i know all the people i don't know how many but i know all the people but so how do you Kyle, when you, if you're trying, and obviously you're going to have different levels of the relationship. Some are going to be more shallower. Some are going to be more deeper, depending on how long they've been there, uh, personalities, et cetera. But as someone who focuses on those 100-plus people, not just the events, how do you how do you still coach your own, kid, your own event groups, do the head coaching duties that you have to do, and still know – the the 20 to 30 kids that are running cross country the throwers the sprinters the people that are not in your group how, how do you how, what's, what's your process for that well it's just being engaged and i try to set aside time once a month and once a week to meet with certain individuals 
uh, and to get to know them uh, and also kind of to know what's going on inside that group. You know, so I set aside and I say, hey, let's meet once a month, once a week or and one of my doors always open. You can come in anytime. My phone's always on. You can come to the house if you want. I mean, it's the kids got to know that, you know, there is life outside of it. You know, yes, we have expectations of what we want done here, but there is also life outside and how do we balance all that? So, and I think when you're running a program, you need to know all the personalities that are on the team. I think uh, because, you know, the old saying, everybody's got to be rowing the boat in the same direction, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and so I need to have my hand in and I need to know who's all on our ship here. Mm-hmm. How much more cognizant do you have to be for the event groups outside of your specific event, event groups and, and maybe the ones that are really far away, meaning like, um, you know, multis and high jumpers and pole vaulters lend themselves to be the same group as the long jump and triple jump. Like, you know, there's kind of mm-hmm. the same people and sprinters are pretty close, but the distance people, that's a whole different, right. I mean, they're training in, in whole different locales, right. uh, throwers as well. How much more cognizant do you have to be for those groups to, to be involved? Very and just getting around one, having a presence at their practice and at the throws of practice or, you know, being around at distances, having a meeting you know, before they go out on their long run or whatever it might be, but also just doing team activities and Mm -hmm. things where we all get together. We have to understand like we're all in this together, you know, and trying to develop that culture uh, within the team. And that's, that's a big part of what Russ taught me. And what we do here is getting everybody together at some point in time. It's easier doing during the season because they're always at the track meet together. You know, so that it's early on in the fall when we're trying to develop mm-hmm. one another, know one another and doing team activities so they can see who's on our team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all those things, they, you have to make it a precedent. You have to make it a point to do it. And uh, or you're just going to have a team that is separated. You know, you can't have that. Not mm-hmm. a, and especially if you're coaching men and women. Mm-hmm. They, it's we're all one big family. Yeah. F- fall's tough, right? Because. You, you have mm-hmm. a bunch of new people, you know, your freshman class and transfers. They're trying to figure yeah. out just where to – where's their English class at and where, right. where's the training room and all that kind of stuff. So you have a bunch of new people into the group. Uh, some segment of that group is competing cross-country mm-hmm. this season is going on, while the other guys and gals are busting their tail and don't get to compete till maybe January. Right. It falls a, falls a tough time, and then you add 100-plus people with it, 100-plus uh, different in, uh, personalities. That's the t- that's a tough time fall, is it? And, and the most important part as well, you don't do a good fall, kiss spring goodbye, it ain't happening. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I got good coaching staff, and we have our, you know, beginning of year meeting just like every coaching staff, and that's a point of emphasis that we want to take is, mm-hmm. okay, how we can get everybody together. When's the point in time? You know, when's the right time to do it? And then how do we do it? Um, you know, and so we do things like early on in the fall, like we lift in the morning and everybody all track and field, except for cross country, of course, mm-hmm. but we're all in there mm-hmm. and we're all lifting together. And, you know, we're fortunate to have facilities to allow us to that's everybody what to I was be thinking. in there. Like, so I was mean, just about to say, is like, you have to be blessed because that's a big it, room. It's there. a big weight room. Yeah, so, yeah. right. So we do that. And then in fall training, I mean, I have, high jumpers, pole vaulters, we're all out there training together. We all show up at 3.30 and we're all conditioning together. Mm-hmm. You know, the throwers are still doing their thing, but we still have a meeting at 3.30 every single day to go over and it's all throwers, all jumpers, all sprinters. Mm-hmm. And we have a brief 10 meeting meeting. At least it gets them together. 
and then we go on and say, okay, sprinters, we're out on the grass track today. Throwers, go do your thing. But at least they can see each other's face. Do you still do the week in advance workout? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. It's it's out there, so they know. And if there's voluntary workouts or things like that, we want to be NCAA compliant, all that fun stuff. Oh, right. oh yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Another reason why I'm <laughs> very happy I'm not coaching anymore. <laughs> all that stuff, man. They, they try Keep to trick you. To jump through. <laughs> they try to trick you and make it feel like it's easier. It's like, oh, no more one phone call a week only. But then the paperwork on top of it. Paperwork. Was, yeah, I was like, I'd go back to once a week if uh, <laughs> I didn't do some of that paperwork. So, um, well, Kyle, one of the things, you know, as you talk about, you know, the culture and, you know, the different event groups and stuff like that. Uh, I'm fairly new to the D2 world. And what I mean by that is, you know, most of my coaching career was in the Division One side. Uh, I'm so blessed that I had a JUCO. Like, I, that's the most happy, not the most happiest I was, because, you know, Chanute, Kansas, if you've been there, buddy. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but I love the, you know, the, the a junior college coach has a, a big place in my heart because much like you said, you know, the relationships are shallower because you don't have them for as long, but you're always recruiting and you are always working to get your kids recruited. That, that's a, no one else has that. That's, that's a tough, tough, tough aspect. ton of respect for junior college. That's why I was like, golly, it's just a constant revolving door. Yeah. And so, you know, being at Gill, so I've had, you know, I get to work with other D coach, D2 coaches. So I've done some D2 facilities, uh, became uh, what I consider good friends with uh, Judd Logan, obviously mm -hmm. at Ashland at Brick D2. And, um, and then got to go to my first, I've been to a couple, but really my first as our NCAA sponsorship uh, D2 meet last, well, I don't know now with COVID, was it last year? Uh, it was when it was at Crossplex. Um, and really got immersed in the meat. Like I'm really paying attention and who's doing what, when, where, and why. And I tell you what, it was pretty spectacular. Now I've been to the Division One meet, and there's some amazing. I mean, it's the hardest meet in the world to, to make it, the Division One right. indoor meet. Um, and you know, you see world record here and college record mm -hmm. here. And it's just it's just uh, unbelievable. Uh, but that D2 meet. I don't know quite how to explain it. I don't want to say passion because certainly the D1 coaches had passion and I'll go out on a limb and say D3 has passion. I know they do. Um, but it was really unique. The D2 coaches, uh, the programs, how they worked, how they worked with each other and against each other, if that makes sense. Like it was really interesting as a, guy who came through the D2 ranks as an athlete and the majority of your career has been in D2 coaching. What is it about D2 that's kind of different culture. It has to be culture yeah. than say a D3, D1, etc. It's, it's the relationships and that's mm -hmm. why I love it. It really is because you say when you're at the meet, you saw how much passion it was. Mm -hmm. Well, the passion, yes, is winning and wanting to be successful, but the passion is how much time you actually spend with that kid mm -hmm. and the relationship you develop with the kid and the coaches you're around. And I think that's why I love the MIAA. I mean, you're not one, you're not going to, I mean, outside, just I will argue they're some of the best coaches in the country in the MIAA. I mean, when you're talking about Kip Jammer and Brian Scheiding mm -hmm. and, and what those guys and then, you know, Victor Thomas over at Lincoln. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys, <laughs> they could they can do anything in any college. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal people and coaches. But the relationships they develop with those athletes. I mean, I mean, yeah, I always talk about Kip Jammer and like when you watch him from afar. I'm just intrigued at like his relationship with his kids and how he can coach them. And that's something I've always, when I'm around, I can watch. I try to pick out, you know, because he is, 
is is a phenomenal person, but mm-hmm. how he coaches his kids is 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 outstanding. So, anyways, back to your point is when you look at Division Two, it's it's a passion and the, the relationships that the coaches have developed with those kids. I mean, it's a one on one, and it's it goes much deeper than just the business side of it mm-hmm. of winning. I think sometimes in Division One, let's get lost. It's all about business. Do your mm-hmm. job. Yeah. And there, there's some coaches that develop relationships. I know Travis Gepford does a phenomenal yeah. job developing relationships with his, and yeah. there is some, but there's, you know, division two, you, you have to have that with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you it's know. one's better than the other. Um, it's just different, right? It and is. Certainly there different. is a business aspect on the division one side, uh, but a lot of the same things you said there are on division one, right? You know, uh, mm-hmm. a relationship and, um, you know, trust and communication and things like that. Um, but, but like I said, it was just it was D2. It was just different. And I'm so it's excited. I'm so going different. again this year. So I'm just yeah. super excited, man. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because as someone who's, you know, majority of their career and your dad, you know, being Division two, like it, it's it's different and, and um, not necessarily better. It's just different. So I just wanted to explore that just a little bit. Um, well, as we wrap up today, Kyle, you know, early when I did the introduction, I said, you know, every coach right now uh, during this week of March 7th is traveling to their national championships. Uh, D- Division three is at the great fast track JDL track in uh, North Carolina. Division one is at my favorite because it's my home state crossplex down in Alabama. Uh, you're not traveling but you're going to be there for multiple roles, <laughs> uh, coaching. Uh, I don't know if you're the meet director. We're going to explore that. But you are actually for, I don't know, at least the second time that I'm aware of hosting the Division Two Indoor National Championships at this amazing 160, no, wait, no, 300-meter track <laughs> at, at Pittsburgh. Uh, talk to me about what's it like being the host school and the host track for a, a, I mean, it's a big meet, Big Daddy. That's the yeah. Division Two Nationals. So, what, what's that like? What's your role as the head coach at Pitt State? Do you have to do stuff, or do you get to just coach? T- talk to us a little bit about that. Right. Well, it's an honor. I mean, it, yes, we'd love to go to maybe Boston or, but it's an honor for myself to host it. The school, the university, the county, the town. I mean, it's and our county and the town get so behind it. I mean, they love it. They love having it here and they'll come out and they watch it. And we're very blessed to have that following, you know, so that's why it's special uh, because they love it. This is as much as it is a football town, but they're there. We're growing as a track town too. Awesome. awesome. And it's fun. So um, that's what's, it's just an honor and it's fun. I love it. And it's good for our kids because they have pride and this is our track. They're coming to our house and mm-hmm. we got put on a good show. Mm-hmm. You know, we, and so, with that being said, there is a lot of work. Um, you know, like you saw, we don't have a lot of the staffing like you should. So I have great coaches that do a tremendous amount of work and I have great administration that help with it as well. But yeah, there's meetings once a week and mm. trying to go over everything, making sure we're doing the volunteer list to make sure we have enough workers and how are we gonna organize it and then how we set it up and the schedule you know so there's a lot that goes into it and participant manual sometimes it just all gets clustered in there and you're just you know hoping you got it all all the boxes mm-hmm. checked and so it's good i mean it's and that's why i think we've just got great administration and coaching staff that we can all just get it figured out but this is our fourth time hosting it so we've kind of 16 was long 16 my first time hosting it oh man that was a long pretty, pretty tough 
<laughs> because we're all trying to figure it out. Right. But now, you know, we've done it a few years. We know what to do. So it's a lot easier. So, so you're hands-on. You're talking about mm-hmm. working with NCAA. I think uh, Division Two Denisha Carter is the uh, NCAA yep. rep. She's awesome. Love her to death. Um, mm-hmm. So you're working on scheduling because, you know, that involves the facility and when can we yep. do something and when can we not because of the spacing and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, flow of athletes versus flow of the uh, fans. Uh, officials, are you? Do you have mm-hmm. to coordinate officials? So Mike Armstrong, so that's Coach Mantu, does a great job of designating Mike Armstrong, and then he works with it. So we've kind of all got our poor yeah. uh, parts of what we're doing. So Coach Mantu is our meet director, anyways, for all our normal okay. meets. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so he he knows Mike Armstrong does a phenomenal job, and so he's working with him. But yeah, all of our coaches have a job you know, running this meet off. And what's your role during the championships? Because, uh, spoiler alert, at least when we're recording this, I think Pitt State, at least on one side, is ranked number one in the country. Yeah, right you know, so uh, we are going to bring that up. But, no, no, yeah, no, rankings no, no. are one. Because regardless, regardless of the rankings, that actually – because even if you were third in the rankings, which what that really means is – what I'm really getting towards on this, Kyle, is that means you have a shot. That, that's yeah. that's what I mean, that, that. It's not like, oh, we're going to go there and i got no, two, I two kids and we're going to do well. It's like, oh, I've got – like, I'm trying to work on a team here to, to win a, a trophy, whether it's first, second, third, fourth. Um so how much coaching versus meet administration do you get to do? Like, do you actually get to f- focus a lot of your, most of your time on the Yeah, so the I'll tell you, we're very fortunate to have the meet administration and we've talked and, you know, in 16, we were kind of hands-on during the meet. So we were kind of lost focus sometimes. And mm-hmm. so I think that was a point of emphasis to saying, I love hosting a meet and our administration saying, you need to coach during the meet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so up to that point, I'll do, and all of our coaches will do whatever we need to do, but that day to meet or the night of mm-hmm. it's it, we're coaching oh good and we're very fortunate to have the administration to know that so our job is to get it to that point do as much work as we can get everything lined out saying all right this is who's doing what because on wednesday i'm done i'm, right. I'm focusing on my team and good. i'm trying to do the best job i can for them and make sure they're taken care of and our administration understands that good so good. jim johnson is phenomenal i mean it he takes a lot off my plate and him and Nate Davis do an outstanding job. And not only are you hosting D2 Nationals, but the weekend before that, because you guys are just gluttons for punishment, I guess, <laughs> uh, you're also hosting the JUCO, the NJACAA National Championship. Uh, I, I'll go out on a limb and say uh, – actually, I don't know. I was going to say that you have uh, – you're way more physically involved in that because you're not coaching in it, but maybe not. What, what's the role for – A little uh, bit, um, but we try and stay hands-off. I mean, uh, we have a good administration. No, we'll set up, and we'll set it up. But, you know, the NJCA, they, they have their people, and they run through our um, our administration, and so they kind of work behind the scenes. So as long as we have it set up, and, like, they're working right now putting banners up for the JUCO Nationals and mm-hmm. getting that set up. So they, they kind of handle it. We just make sure on the coaching staff that, you know, everything's set up. Mm-hmm. All of our equipment's where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But, You're not shooting the trifecta. Are you hosting conference as well? No. Okay, thank good. Goodness. Yeah, I was about to say, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's called burnout. <laughs> there was one year, I want to say 2018, we did. Oh. I'll tell you, when spring break hit, I was like, I'm not stepping. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> don't call me. Don't talk to me. 
I'll see you Monday. We, my wife and I went down to Hot Springs. I don't think I even looked at my phone. Good for went you. Went to the horse races and said, I'm out of town. More, more, more coaches need to do that. I, I, like, rewind 15 seconds and hear him say that again, because honestly, whether it's spring break or the summer, uh, Christmas break, we've got to do a better job as the people who are coaches of time time off it, it's important it, it really it's is. balance it's tough. it is there, there is no balance I, I love when people talk about work-life balance i'm like first of all i don't know many jobs that have work-life balance that includes mine here but coaching for sure it's not a balance so it's a management but you have to have the the life side of it you have to have a family and, and friends and network and things like that that are not track related if your vacations are going to track meets that might be a There's bad a sign. Yeah, yeah, that might be a bad, <laughs> bad sign. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Uh, well, man, Kyle, uh, I had a blast with you today, man. I'm so excited uh, to see, you know, what your career has been up to today. Uh, I love what you're doing. Uh, you know, big fan, obviously, for what you guys are doing at Pitt State. And I love your your philosophy of, you know, people first, if, if you will. Of, you know, they're, they're not identified by their role, that they're a sophomore, a javelin thrower, et cetera. They're a mechanical engineer major that it's Tommy and Tommy comes from a certain place and has a certain family. And uh, I'd like to know what Tommy's interests are in this world, because Tommy's not always going to be a javelin thrower. <laughs> Tommy's going to be a, <laughs> a security officer one day or a business owner or an accountant and, you know, uh, selling insurance and stuff like that. So I love that philosophy. And I love that the mentors that you've had from your dad to Sterling to Russ, I mean, th that's what molds us as coaches. And so I'm so glad you had great molders in, in your life. Great mentors. It's been a ride. It's been fun. Hopefully there's a lot more to come, but, uh, you know, it, it's good to reflect too. You know, it's not too many times. I appreciate you allowing me to reflect and tell my story because you forget about those things. You forget about, wow, that really did happen. And, you know, because you get to a certain point and you're working so hard that it all gets jumbled together and it's nice to reflect on the good times and the good things that helped you along the way, especially at the time when you're doing it, you're just trying to figure out how to, get through the day and <laughs> try to stay alive and keep a, a marriage going a family going and try to get your career and try to win and develop a successful program it it's good i've been very blessed and it's a whole lot of fun yeah and the fun thing you know i get to interview coaches who are early even earlier than you in your careers uh, all the way up to retired coaches and what's awesome about you know kind of this stage age and stage for you and your career is uh you know there's many many chapters that have been written that are fun and exciting and you know that includes family and the children now and then being a head coach and now putting your own stamp all these things you've learned putting your own stamp on, on a head coach uh, of a program but we're barely at half. I don't even, we're not even at half time. There's many, many more chapters to go, Kyle. And that's, what's going to be exciting. So. The things that you do and are going to do and effect, like I said, from the very beginning, the, the effect, the positive effect you have on young people right where you are in Pittsburgh, friggin' Kansas, man. I've been there. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Exactly. Uh, not Joplin is a metropolis compared to Pittsburgh, <laughs> compared to Pittsburgh. Uh, but What's awesome is the people, the kids that come through Pittsburgh and specifically your program, you're making positive effects on them, man. You're helping them to become future mothers, fathers, daughters, business owners, et cetera. And that's, that's life, man. That is the biggest gift. You, you are other people's mentors, man. And that's a reflection on your mentors, uh, your dad, your family, your mom, and uh, even your wife and you know, her choosing your four by four lineup. <laughs> Uh, it all comes together, but again, it's, it's a blast and it's always good to sometimes sit back and appreciate it and have fun with it. And 
enjoy the moments, the little ones. That's what make everything. That's it, buddy. Well, man, thank you so much for being here. Hey, I'm so humbled thank that you. you share your story with us, man. It means a lot, and it's deserved uh, that other people will get to hear it and take value from that. I truly appreciate it. It's been an honor. Thanks, Mike. What an incredible journey Coach has been on. So awesome to hear their story in their own words. Tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis. Help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel. And don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. You just might get a shout out on a future episode. That's it for today. Join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach.